It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. I'm conflicted, of course. My heart is leading me toward James, who is such a great person overall, but sometimes you just have to listen to your vagina. Kissing Blake makes my vagina dance and tingle and feel really nice. And as nice as tonight was with James, when we kiss, I just don't feel a tingle in my vagina. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and what a game we have witnessed on this night. There was strong gameplay from a multitude of players. There was gameplay speech everywhere throughout this episode. We had more forced nudity. We had what looked like something that might become violence, at least in the next episode, but they tease it at the end of this one. This had it all. There was gameplay by the weather. <laughs> yes. Trying to set up secret hotel trysts. I love it. That better have been recorded. It was fantastic. And we are going to dive into all of it very soon. But before we do, we have to mention our contest with our book, How to Win the Bachelor, which is now available for pre-order. We're doing two contests for it. We're doing individual contests. So if you buy the book and you pre-order it, you take a picture of your receipt, and you go to howtowinthebachelor.com, you upload a picture of your receipt, you put your email in there, and we're going to do a drawing. 15 people will get autographed books. Five people will get autographed books and a private Zoom with Pace Case and myself. Three people will get autographed books, private Zoom with Pace Case and myself, and contraband t-shirts that we made and never sold. And we're not going to tell you what's on them. You will just have to find out when you get them. And one lucky person will get an autographed book, a Zoom with Pace Case and myself, a contraband t-shirt, and one prize that we cannot tell you what it is. Suffice it to say, it is the greatest object on planet Earth. Invaluable. Some might call it the Holy Grail. I would call it that. Clues would call it that. And you'll have to wait and see. Whoever gets it, (laughs) you can get it. You can share what it is after you get it, whatever. But you will love it. I promise you that. And our second contest is in our race to be a New York Times bestseller. We have a goal of selling 10,000 books on pre-order before the book comes out January 18th, 2022. Clues, you want to know where we're at in this goal? Yes. No. Do you want to know where... We will be at what we will do if we get to certain percentages. I want to know both where we're at in the goal (laughs) and what we will do if we get to certain percentages. Okay. Well, I can tell you where we're at first. Please. We are at just under 10% of our final goal, which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there. We're we're on the board. Yes. And what are we going to do if we hit 25% clues? That one I know. I'm going to release a brand new song. I have recorded it. I have redone the vocals about 250 times. They're as good as I can make them sound, (laughs) which is not great, but you might enjoy them nonetheless. And this is a song about the pit itself. It is called The Bottom of the Pit. Mm -hmm. I think everyone will enjoy it. And if we get to 25% of our goal, I will release that song on the podcast. Feels achievable. 25 is close to 10. Yeah, we're almost there. 50%. 
What are we doing at 50%? Well, we are going to do an Instagram live from the shadow of the mansion. That's correct. Pace Case and I will drive to the mansion where they shoot our beloved game almost every season, with the exception of the bubble seasons and a few others in the early history of the game, like the New York season, season seven, like the Paris season, Paris. season nine. Or no, that was eight. Rome. Rome Ten. was nine. Sorry, it was seven, eight, nine. It was New York, Rome. Paris, Rome. Nine. At any rate, <laughs> we will go to the mansion. We will do an Instagram live from the shadow of the mansion. We will get as close as we can to the grounds without legal threat. And if we hit 75%, Pace Case and I are going to do something incredible, something I never thought I would do, possibly something you never thought you would do. I never thought I would do it on camera for onlookers. <laughs> I never thought I would do it in private or on camera. This will be on camera. We are going to have a hooju competition between ourselves. I have done it in private once. You've hoojued once in private. Yeah. I have not. It was hard. But I'm going to have to start practicing because if we get to 75%, you and I are going to have a hooju off and those videos are going to be made public to everyone and you guys are going to get to vote on who does the best hooju. We're both going to hooju mm -hmm. the same person. And you'll just have to make your selections. We'll see who the Hooju champion is. Even playing field. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to tear a fucking ACL. I know it. It's worth it. I know. I have youth on my side. That's good. I know. You truly do. <laughs> and practice. And if we hit 100% of our final goal, we will be doing a mystery thing that we will find out once we hit that goal. And let's just say that this mystery thing is it will be the most work we've probably put into a single project in service of the pit since the hyper binge, maybe even more work than that. But I think it will be worth it. I think people will truly love it if we get to that goal. And I don't know, I'm looking forward to actually doing it. Like I said, I know it's a mm -hmm. Sisyphean task to put together what we want to do, but I think it will come out very, very good. And I hope people will enjoy it. So those are our two contests. If you want to try to get these individual prizes, you need to pre-order the book, put your receipt into howtowinthebachelor.com. And if you go to howtowinthebachelor.com, it has links to buy the book. It has the thing to upload. It has some stuff about the book itself. So you can find everything you need there. And you are also automatically helping the larger contest of getting us to 25, 50, 75, and 100%. So we hope we hit all those marks. And I hope I don't tear my ACL when we do the Huju competition. If you do, I will think it's a fake IFI. <laughs> I have to get like fucking surgery and shit. You're like, this is Who's all fake. IFIs on this goddamn contest. We're gonna lose my, my back mind. hurts. It was from the gyroscope <laughs> thing you made me do yesterday. Yeah. Anyway, those are our dual contests. Thank you, Pitt, for your support. And let's get into it. What's going on on 4TWR Island? Let's do it. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. 
Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing What's in the box? on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program... It has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine, tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. This is what you came here for. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. This is episode nine of Paradise. We're getting close to the end of the season, obviously. <laughs> we have gotten rid of Brennan and Piper. We've gotten rid of Chris Conran and Alana Milne, so... 
all of the ne'er-do-wells have been sent home. All of the villains are gone, so we think. And this week's portion one begins with a promo. We see a love level three from Kenny Tamari. We see a love level three from Marissa Torriley. We see that Damar and Ed are going to come in, and it looks like Marissa might be interested in Damar. And we see a fight brewing between Ivan and Aaron. Then we move into the main meat of this portion one, and we're going to get a full recap package of Joe's entire experience on both Last Paradise and this Paradise, which we've seen already in the last episode. Multiple times. We've seen these flashbacks already. They just keep hitting it. And, you know, this entire first part to me was kind of filler. There was a lot of shit in here that was completely unnecessary. But after this intro package, we then see night falls. We see a bird eating a crab. Joe and Serena are making out. And we're literally seeing footage from the last episode that ended the last episode where you see the other players are sitting on a little beach towel watching Joe and Serena making out. And Ivan and Kendall are there. And she gets up and walks away up the stairs. This is literally all this shit. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. It's just the last like two minutes of the last episode. They're just replaying it. Complete waste of time. And then Kendall goes to Wells in the bar to talk about how much she's cried and how she's having a hard time with GSJ falling in love, but she doesn't want to be upset in front of everyone. Wells is a good person to go and talk to about your problems for screen time. Well, I assume that was manufactured. I think the producers told her, like, go talk to Wells. We'll get those shots because she doesn't want to talk to another player. She already said she doesn't want to be vulnerable and and crying around the other players. I think it was more like, He's really serving the function of a DLH in that moment. That mm-hmm. it's you can talk kind of to the game itself without having to interact with the second audience. Talk to the game. Itself. Talk to the game. Kendall loads. She's going to talk to Joe. Kendall pulls Joe, and they sit in front of a ladder. And grocery GSJ grocery store Joe says, "Is something off?" And she says, "It's brought back a lot of memories. The love, the way we used to be. I still feel like you're my best friend." And I love seeing you thriving and being happy, but it reminds me of why you fell in love with you. It's so hard. Grocery store Joe, are you not over us? Kendall, don't ask me that. I never stopped loving you, obviously. Pulls tears. GSJ performs an STCO. And Serena Pitt looks on as though she's watching this happen, but it looks like that shot is repurposed. It looks like she is not watching them do their little hug. It looks like she's looking at something else completely. Yeah, that's what it seems like. (laughs) But did you notice the score under this entire scene? No. Sorry, I forgot who I was talking to. Very soft, (laughs) slow piano score, letting Mm. you know this is a serious and sad moment. And this music, Mm. I don't think I've heard it yet in Bachelor in Paradise this season, but... It really is lending this kind of gravitas to anything that Grocery Store Joe is doing. Like, this is real. This moment means something. And then indeed, we come back in portion two and we see Kendall is still crying. Joe is still STCOing. And we get that sorrow score cues back up as Kendall says, she doesn't want to be this vulnerable in front of everyone. GSJ starts telling her it's going to be okay. And he asks her why she came there, why she came to paradise. And she says she came there because she will always have love for him And before really answering the question, she says, why did you come here? And this is where neither of them mention Instagram. Brendan and Piper, this is how you do it. When someone asks you why you came there or what your motivations are, you don't ever say Instagram or followers. Clearly, both of them have that as one of their goals. That that simply is one of the goals of coming to paradise. They're not going to mention it at all here. See, I saw this scene and I was like, Kendall asks him that and I'm like, because it's in my clickbait contract. 
must go to paradise. <laughs> yeah, that too. It was like, he said, he, GSJ is like, well, they said they were going to, you know, fire me from clickbait if I didn't show up. So I figured I got to come, you know, I got to pay rent. How about you? That's a pretty good impression. Eh, it's not that great. I'm, I'll work on it. I need to get a GSJ wig. You need a wig. <laughs> yeah. But after this very long pause, he tells her that the honest reason he came here is because he knew it was over between them. And if he didn't feel that, he wouldn't have come. He was under the impression that she felt the same way. And this was almost my play of the game. This clean fucking cut where the producers are trying to throw Kendall at you and X, who you met on the fucking beach and all this shit. And instead, you're just like, no, let me fucking drop the door on that. I'm with Serena now. And I thought that you were cool with that. And then he tells her, you're a big part of my life and I'm always going to care about you. They hug it out one last time. And then Kendall comes over to tell Tia and Becca that she's leaving. And Tia ITMs that it's hard to say goodbye to her, but it's the best thing for her. And Ivan gives her a little hug and goodbye. And it's like, were they in a relationship? What was going on there? I we, don't know. we saw one shot of them kissing at some point. Then he tried to kiss her on the shoulder. She recoiled. I, I never really understood what that whole thing was about. The producers did not do a good job of building it up. Kendall self eliminates here. And this was my. Error, 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 error of the game. Stay and just don't be near GSJ. At least attempt to pursue a relationship, especially when you have the power. It's not like you're cutting it off like, well, I was going to go home at Rose anyway. Make out with Ivan. Make out with Dr. Joe, Damar, etc. I mean, she's an influencer as well. I know. Look, I... We constantly preach against self-elimination. I agree with you. This was a, a big error, in my opinion. I had another one that was my error of the game later on, which we will get to, but this was not a good play. You're only, you got like a couple weeks left, maybe one week left, and then you have to get to the point where Wells mm -hmm. is probably going to tell everybody, okay, if you're serious, you guys all have to have sex now or leave. They will get to that point, I think, next week. And so she was almost there. She could have been on that forced nudity two-on-two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been you, Kendall. Yeah, Kendall, what are you doing? Holding that palm frond in front of your junk. <laughs> could have been on a forced nudity two-on-two. Two. God damn. But Kendall <laughs> exits. And in her exit speech, she says, this is devastating. Joe's my person. I need a second. I came back where it all started and I feel absolutely broken. This is the hardest thing I've ever been through and it keeps going. I never experienced anything like this. And we get this idea that Kendall's been through the ringer, obviously. And I think, is this the first time we've ever seen a couple who came together on one paradise? I mean, not that this was a breakup, but it was kind of the final closure of that relationship on the mm. next season of Paradise. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. Not that they've focused on. I'm trying to remember. I mean, none of the relationships usually last very long. Right. Or they get engaged. So yeah. our bit Piper binge will probably illuminate a lot of things. That is true. And then back on the beach, we see Serena and GSJ getting that kiss to seal the deal. And this is it. We watch one of the most successful paradise relationships in history disintegrate right back where it started. I don't know. I find that extremely fascinating that the producers were able to craft this into a, mm -hmm. a narrative. It Like, say what you will about the producers. Obviously, they're manipulative. Obviously, they control the game. They're Machiavellian, all this kind of stuff. But in terms of storytelling, this shit was beautiful. It was really it was fascinating beautiful. to watch. It was strange because it's like you would assume people who know each other that well would have had this conversation and decided one way or another. I mean, I don't think it was a plan. 
But do you think that this helped GSJ's storyline? Totally. I don't know. I'm so paranoid at this point. I'm just like, I don't believe anyone on sand. No, no, they're all lying, at least through admission of truth. When they're talking about why did you come here? None of them say Instagram or all the shit about like, I'm not here for Instagram. I'm here to find love and be open. But Demi's like concerned about slots being taken up. I remember that. She's like, you're taking up slots. I mean, we got to all be open. Like they're all playing the game. 100%. And some of them are playing it better than others in terms of not revealing that they're playing it. <laughs> they're, they're able to maintain the 4TRR lie. GSJ is one of them. I do believe he and Serena Pitt have real feelings for each other. But that too is playing this game and winning it. GSJ here has successfully avoided a straight fucking attack to that relationship by the producers. They brought in Kendall mm -hmm. when at the same time as grocery store Joe to see if they could repair the relationship. No, 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 no. They brought in Kendall after he had already had a successful relationship with somebody he's having feelings for. Then they bring her in to try and blow that up. Either way, they're going to get drama, whether he has to finally dump Kendall forever or Kendall successfully blows up his relationship with Serena P. Either one of those is going to yield some kind of footage they can use in this narrative. They are aware of that. They orchestrate it to that end. And here we see the result, which was a pretty good scene, I thought. Portion three, uh, Ivan is ITMing that he probably should have gone a different route, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan is making moves this episode. I love well, this it. Is, this is one of the very, like... He's scrappy. This is one of the straight gameplay speech moments. He's like, I should have gone a different route. I don't know where I'm going to get a rose from. That basically means I should have had a different strategy. I don't know if I'm going to survive this round. That is open gameplay speech right there on camera, producers included in the show. Tia tells everyone that Serena P and GSJ just love level three. We see kissing from SP and GSJ, Mari and Kenny, Riley and Marissa. And Ivan and Joe talk about how the hell they're going to make it to next week. And little John comes in. He says... I want to make Paradise more interesting. Is this a new game mechanic? Is it new guys and girls? Is there a vote? No. It is two new people who are both men. It is the exact same game mechanic they did with Wolverine and Chris for TWR Conran. Lil Jon says he's going to turn this place upside down, but instead, he welcomes Damar Jackson, who gets 36th sand, and Ed Wastebrot, who gets 37th sand. I'm not sure Ed Wastebrot is capable of turning Paradise upside down, but he does do his best. You see Marissa clapping for Damar's entrance, and Damar has a date card in hand. Natasha ITM's being ready for, in quotes, the new stuff after her weird date with Joe, Dr. Joe. And Aaron ITM's being threatened to some degree by Damar. Damar reads the date card, Welcome to Paradise, It's Raining Men. And Damar takes Chelsea immediately for a talk. I'm sorry. We cannot skip over Aaron's colorful narration here. I'm <laughs> sorry. My apologies. They look obviously shredded, maybe oiled up. Ed's legs are like two thick Christmas hams. Absolutely <laughs> massive. Would feed a whole village of cannibals. And Damar, that's a mountain of a man. Yeah. So, yes. He's got away with words. The Xmas hams and the mountain greet everyone. Aaron is for sure the best colorful narrator of this entire BIP, like hands down. Big Body Trash Can is something that I will hear in my mind until the day I die. He's done that. I had an idea for Aaron. We said earlier, I think on our live, that every Bachelor player should start a podcast. And Aaron's should be called Big Body Trash Talk. 
Ooh, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah. Aaron, if you're listening to our show, please, we can't wait to listen to Big Body Trash Talk. Do it. Well, come on. He loads love level one for Chelsea. She has feelings for me and I feel the same way. But Damar pulls Chelsea and he does an instant public chemistry play, grabbing her hand to guide her up the rocks, which <laughs> the, I love the handholding. They did this as a subplot on Love Island where this girl did it to a coupled up guy. And she was like, my heels are too tall. Can you carry me? And it was in order to make his partner go off. And it worked like a charm. Chelsea options opens. Damar says she took Aaron on a date, but she's down to explore. And that she likes the vibes so far, which is, <laughs> I would say, like a level 0.5. Ed pulls Natasha, and she says she had a date with Dr. Joe, but she OOs Ed after he asked whether it was a, what was it, a solid track, a soul track. He says, is it soul track or options open? He gets right to the point. Yep. And then Damar pulls Marissa, and Riley is not happy about this. And Kufrin gets a little narrator here. She ITMs that Marissa was interested in seeing Damar in paradise. How she knows this, we don't know. Producers told her, I guess. Maybe Marissa told her. We have no idea. But she seems to have this omniscient position on the beach to know what everyone is thinking and feeling at all times. And then we get... the omniscient narrator here. (laughs) Bachelor happy hour. It's her, Wells. I I mean, GSJ to some degree, I think, has this omniscience that's given him by producers. By the way, DeMar did the same hand-holding move with Marissa. It's a strong move. And I feel like if you come in late Mm -hmm. in the game, you've got to do something like that to try and establish some foothold of dominance in these relationships. Then we see one-on-one time with DeMar and Marissa. Marissa tells him that she only had one person on her list, and it was DeMar. This seems very forced to me at this point. This seems like the producers have told her to say this. In my humble opinion, there is absolutely no question in anyone's mind that she and Riley are going to get married, have children, and live out the rest of their lives together. I feel like they cut that line off. You were the only person on my list coming in, but then I met Riley and we're in love. Yeah, something like that, probably. Riley ITMs that he's not going to go down without a fight. And Ed asks Natasha on the date. She accepts. Damar asks Chelsea. He does not go with Marissa Gunn here. And Chelsea, of course, accepts. And Aaron ITMs being unhappy about Damar taking her on a date. We then begin portion four. Marissa watches Riley do sit-ups. <laughs> People are always watching this fucking guy work out on the beach. It's, it's like he's their show. They probably all work out. We only see Riley. Yeah, I mean, they have that little workout shot in the opening segment where all the guys are doing their resistance band training and shit. But yeah, they're all working out constantly. That's all you have to do on the fucking beach. But as Marissa watches Riley do his sit-up, she ITMs being ready to be engaged to Riley, but needing more from him. She tells Blake and Tia that he's great with his actions, but he's not good with his words. And that's her biggest fear is that he's holding back. And she ITMs needing to have a talk, but she's afraid to scare him away and it might ruin everything. She punctuates that with some fantastic tear play. And then we see Bonsall and Aaron discussing the likelihood of Aaron getting Chelsea's rose. Again, straight gameplay speech here. And Aaron ITMs that Damar is his biggest competition. More gameplay speech. I wish Thomas had asked out Chelsea Vaughn after this. (laughs) Just be like, I am following you. I mean, we have not really seen what is going on between Thomas and Becca Kufrin, their relationship, but it does seem like it's budding from what we, I mean, we'll get to the promo for Mm -hmm. next week's episode, but. Oh, you mean Thekka? What's that? Thekka? What's Thekka? Their couple's name? Oh, Jesus Christ. I hadn't heard Thekka. (laughs) 
I did not come up with that. I heard that. I think <laughs> I he's like, that is he's locked into probably the I think the highest clout person currently on the show. And I don't think he's gonna leave that for anything. No. No, I was just joking. I oh. don't think he would. I just think it would be funny because of what it might do to Aaron. Then we get the two on two, Chelsea, Damar, Ed, and Natasha. It is a forced nudity painting class, and the painting instructor was not my bystander of the week, but she tells everyone to paint your partner in their rawest form. And so we know what that means. Clothing off. The guys strip down to their swim trunks, and the women paint portraits of them, and Ed really kind of poses down for Natasha. I don't know if you noticed this. He's doing like ponder shots just off into the distance. She makes a comment on it. Like he's really, oh, really? he's taking his modeling <laughs> for her very fucking seriously. That's very funny, especially because she cut his head out of the painting. Yeah, it's just like his torso, <laughs> like a line drawing of it. But then the women have to paint their actual bodies, paint applied to flesh. And while that's happening, Ed admits to Natasha that he loved face paint when he was little, that it was his thing. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. It's very random. And it, he said it in a haunted way. Like, yes, there was shit that went down with the face paint. I yes. Don't know. Like I mean, there are thousands know of that pictures much of him about him. face paint. Like he was wearing it every day to school or something. I, I like I don't know. I'm sure I've worn face paint in my life for Halloween costumes or whatever. You know what I mean? Oh, I've worn it on our lives. What's that? I've worn it on our Patreon lives. Oh, shit. I have too. <laughs> when we used to do the satanic rituals. Oh, yeah. The ritual. Yeah. <laughs> we put like... I made you. I brought my face paint on over forehead and shit. Gore HQ and made clues put face paint yeah, on. Yeah. I remember all that shit now. That was the last time I ever did it. But even that, I had no strong memory of. This motherfucker is recalling like in childhood, face paint was all I did. It's what I lived for. I just found it a little strange. And I'm curious. I would like to see the photographic <laughs> evidence of these childhood face paint. Oh, you know Ed Wastebrot's a player. He's going to play a parasocial play with that face paint of him as a child. I'm ready to see that, Ed Wastebrot. I'm ready to see it. But then, back on the beach, Dr. Joe Park has acquired some of Condor the Catman Brennan's shy style (laughs) as he is sitting alone playing the ukulele gently, (laughs) a a sad dirge coming out of the instrument as the ocean rolls on gently beside him. And GSJ and Riley have some open gameplay speech about the women having the roses this week and Joe Park lacking the necessary sense of urgency that might be required to get one of those. Then they both pick Ed as their winner of this round of the game. They are openly talking about the game itself and making predictions about who's going to win it. Mm-hmm. These are the same guys who threw Chris Conran out of the show for coming in with the game plan. The same guys, at least in GSJ's case, who got pissed at Brennan for playing a game. They are now commenting on the game, like color commentary. Yeah. I don't see the problem. <laughs> Okay, just making sure. I'm the only one, I guess, who sees it. Your point? I have none. Back on the date, Ed tells Natasha that he had a lot of fun with her, and Natasha ITMs that she thinks it was a great date. Natasha and Ed make out, and Natasha starts laughing. She's gotten red lipstick all over her face. But you know what? Ed doesn't care. It's basically face paint. (laughs) He actually, it's like, he's into it. He's like, no, no, no. Kiss me all over the face. Kiss me everywhere. Don't leave an inch uncovered. (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave an inch uncovered. This is going to be my complete fool edit. I'm leaning into it. (laughs) I mean, 
The last time we saw Ed Weisbrot, he was sipping wine at 3 a.m. with Dark Lord Harrison in Dark Lord mm-hmm. Harrison's hotel room at fucking La Quinta. Yeah. And now? <laughs> it feels like 10 years ago. It truly does. Now he's uh, performing the line to go off this portion on, do I look like a clown or something? <laughs> in some ways you do, Ed. Clues. Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend T-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims game of roses is sponsored by better help clues uh we all carry around different stressors big and small and if you keep them all bottled up it can affect you negatively Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills. You know, the the whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. 
What's you got no up? idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. In portion five, we begin with Noah carrying Abigail piggyback to a private hammock with some drinks where they kiss. We then see the other couples who are successfully together, Joe and Serena kiss, Thomas and Kufrin kiss. And we see Riley walking the beach with a date card. He comes over to the group and it's for Kenny. It says, are you hungry for love? Kenny gets this date card. He, of course, takes Mari. They are now a power couple. And Marissa tells the group that she thinks Kenny has already been naked so many times, surely they won't make him do another forced nudity date, will they? (laughs) She's like, I think it'll be something more intimate. They're going to give them a real date. Oh, no, Marissa. I hate to tell you this, but this is Bachelor in Paradise. (laughs) They're going to humiliate everyone if they can multiple times in the same way if they can. Yes. And here we see that's what happens. We come into the date. Mari and Kenny enter a kitchen with a private chef named Dora Vargas. Dora Vargas was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. We're going to get to why that is. Obviously, she was one of two bystanders. I will have my moment for why that is in a minute, but she was fantastic. This is one of the best bystanders I've ever fucking seen in my life. Hats off to Dora Vargas. I hope we get to see her again very soon. Chef Dora Vargas was also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, week. What she paints here is a beautiful, beautiful food play tableau. She delights in the forest nudity. She delights in the food play. Yes, the delight. She's like, I saw myself in her if I was a bystander on the show, you know? (laughs) Okay, I'll just cut right to the chase. Pour the sour cream. (laughs) She's standing. There's one part in this where Kenny is taking a tortilla off of one of Mari's boobs and feeding it to her, and they cut out Uh a little wider, and you see that Chef Dora Vargas is standing right there. She's standing one inch from this happening, just looking at it all like, this is fucking great. It's that delight Uh that was in her eye that was like, yeah, it was intoxicating. I fucking loved it. She wanted to be a part of this shit. She was glowing. She didn't just come out, say her lines, and then slink off into the shadows like so many other Jorge Moreno bystanders of the week have done in past eras. She was in it. She was mm-hmm. in the fucking scene for the I'm entire not leaving. time. <laughs> it's like, you paid me to be here. I'm going to fucking be here. All right. I'm going to get my screen time. I'm going to get my rocks off. It was fucking incredible. A but legend. Let's, let's just kind of go through what this actual date is. So Chef Vargas mm-hmm. comes out, tells him you're going to 
you know, have to basically plate each other. Mari ITMs that she's ready to have the serious conversations they need to have to move forward to. These poor motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, Mari, can you just say something about how serious this relationship is? Because we're going to go ahead and cut that with you naked with tortillas on your boobs. Okay, thanks. And so she gives them that footage. And then Dora gives them the chef's aprons and tells them that in Mexico, the presentation of the food is the most important thing about the meal. <laughs> and she takes out a pillow and tells them that the plating of these tacos they're about to make will be their own bodies. Kenny then emerges nude once again for what seems like the thousandth time this season of Bachelor in Paradise. And Mari spreads meat, tortillas, vegetables on Kenny's bare body, then proceeds to smear sour cream down the length of his thighs before eating all of this off of him. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done this? No. <laughs> Will you now? Sour cream to me is one of the most disgusting things on planet Earth. <laughs> I would not eat it in a any circumstance. Certainly not off of someone's <laughs> body. Nor would I touch it with my fingers and smear it. That's good to know. We're getting to know Ed Waste brought this week. We're getting to know clues. Yeah. It was hard for me to watch. It was very similar to the whipped cream on a toe. What can I say? Yeah, I felt. I guess I feel differently about cream. I would rather have whipped cream on a toe than sour cream on a leg. Well, whipped cream is way better than sour cream. Yeah, of course. Of course. In my opinion. Mine too. Uh... <laughs> but then they switch roles. We get some porn style music playing as Mari now comes out naked and it's her turn to be the plate. Kenny makes some tacos on her boobs, then pours sour cream all over her. He doesn't even rub it in. He just is drizzling her body with it. Did you notice, by the way... That she comes out, she's got palm fronds covering her bits. She she has both palm fronds and black boxes. Mm. But I think the palm fronds were the same palm fronds that they used for the artistic endeavor two on two. Oh, could have been. I mean, we do know that our mm-hmm. producers love to reuse so they can save money where they can. Hey, that's just lowering their carbon footprint, and I respect that. Me too. Kenny ITMs that Mari is a freak. And she's the best looking plate he's ever eaten from. We get a kiss as she lays on the table. And as Kenny removes one of the tacos, this is the part that I was talking about. We're reminded (laughs) that Chef Dora Vargas has been made to stand and watch all of this from about a foot away as she smiles and says, good taco. (laughs) This shit fucking had me. Good taco. I couldn't fucking believe what was happening. And she seems to be enjoying it. She knows the joke of all of this. And she fucking loves it. She's down for it, you know? God damn, it was great. I think she put into her contract. She's like, I'm not doing this unless I can stay the whole time. Yeah, and say good taco. That's the vibe I got. Probably. (laughs) And then Mari ITMs a nondescript love level load. I'm going to tell him how I'm feeling. And I hope he says it back. So we don't know how she's feeling. No, she loads love level three here. Oh, did she? She says, I'm falling in love with Kenny. Oh, I didn't even fucking catch that. Portion six. We start with a mini date extravaganza by James Bonsall. He has set up two wooden boards that he has painted. One is a stoplight. One is a city. And he explains to her, I don't know much about your hometown Wiener as I would like, but you're from the one stoplight town. She's like, no stoplights. And he says, I'm from the city. You know, it's, Romeo and Juliet. It's weird, this whole thing. Uh, this was a good play by Bonsall. Because at this point, like, we don't know that the producers are gassing up Tia to have this 
this narrative of like, well, one guy is doing things for you and the other guy's just saying things and that's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, how you make your choice or whatever. Yeah. One is the vagina dance and one is the yeah. sweet partner to Aaron. <laughs> right. One of them, you put your vagina to sleep. The other one makes it dance. But the one who puts it to sleep will paint a stoplight on a piece of wood for you. <laughs> so that is something to take in, into consideration. Can you imagine being in any situation in your actual life where like a guy paints some shit on a piece of wood and you're like, oh, well, I don't know. The other guy's not painting wood pieces for me. None of this is real. This is all completely fake. No one's ever painted me anything. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Well, really. maybe the same is true for Tia and this really is getting to her. I don't know. But Bonsall uses this moment to basically ITM that he's not confident he's getting her rose. So he's making moves to ensure that he does straight gameplay speech. And then he uses this to segue into asking her about her hometown. And she says that it's a rice farming community with about 700 people. And she has tattoos that make her stand out. She went to college 30 minutes away. And he asked her about moving to Nashville being significant. He says it's interesting to him how people's paths cross. And they have this implied idea that they're star-crossed in some way destined to have met. She thanks him, get a kiss. And then Tia ITMs that she likes James. But sometimes you have to listen to your vagina and. James does not make her vagina dance. She then does more colorful narration where she talks to her vagina and says, help me make this decision, which which doesn't make sense because the vagina already has decided, presumably, whether she's going to listen to it. But she's trying to override the vaginal decision. Vaginal protocol. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, my God. Fuck. Oh, shit. (laughs) I can't. I can't fucking believe it. You know, I always think whenever some fucking line comes out of our show, like when we come with Seleucian Protocol or whatever, I'm always like, oh, it's pretty fucking funny. Mm -hmm. You know, or or I'm sure we'll say that again or whatever. I don't know if we're ever going to have cause to use vaginal protocol again, but that shit is the funniest Mm -hmm. fucking term. What is it, though? Who else can use it? It's only a Tia term. (laughs) To be honest, it's not a Tia term. I don't know where it originates from, but the British Love Island, they call it fanny flutters. Oh, no shit. It's like a, it's a recurring thing throughout seasons of like, oh, I'm having fanny flutters. Oh. Vagina dance, tingle. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll come back in. Maybe we'll have cause to use it again, but I'm going to lock that into the lexicon. Vaginal protocol. It's a part of it now. Hopefully we can find some other way to use it down the road. (laughs) (laughs) I think if we say it out loud, we'll manifest it. Okay. So anyways, back to the game. (laughs) Back on the one-on-one with Kenny and Mari, they get to have a serious conversation now. All the food play is done. And Kenny ITMs that he's never thought about a family or marriage or anything, but he's never felt this way about anyone except Mari. And maybe he's now starting to think about these serious issues. They both admit that they were stricken with heavy attraction at first sight, and they both still feel that for each other. And Kenny says it doesn't scare him to talk about future stuff. This is future casting. He mentions that engagement is part of the show, and he thinks they might have to start thinking about that kind of stuff soon. Maybe not tonight, but maybe tomorrow, he says. And he tells her he's really happy. She is too. She believes in what they have, and she thinks they're going to be good after this. This is also future casting. Not quite a precog just yet, but he says that he thinks they're going to be good after this as well. Dancing around it. They're dancing around a precog. But talking about just the nebulous idea of being together after paradise, not saying anything specific, which city they live in or any of that shit yet. 
But the idea is out there that this will go the distance or go beyond paradise at any rate. In response to that, Kenny says, I don't know how you feel. I do feel like I am falling in love with you. Love level three. No, it's, it's different than that. There's a hitch step in how he delivers this. He goes, I'm gonna... And then he ups it immediately. He said, I'm feeling like I'm gonna fall in love with mm. you, which is an L2, but he doesn't finish it. And then he cuts himself off, goes full L3. I'm falling in love with you. He wants to do an L2, but he knows LL3 is what's required here. He fucking makes that correction immediately. Fantastic play by Kenny Brash here, who's been really killing it all season. This guy is turning in like one of the, yeah. the craziest all-star performances for Bachelor in Paradise that has ever existed. Totally agree. And maybe it's because I had low expectations, but Kenny, I mean, I think I talk about this every episode at this point. He just, he seems in touch with his emotions. He's very good about communicating with the women and setting up boundaries and just much, a much more evolved person than you might think at first sight or at first franchise appearance. This man was embroiled in a love triangle. Square. You're right. Sorry, square. I always forget he's the fourth <laughs> part of it. <laughs> sorry. He's tatty daddy. He's, he's not tatty daddy, but he did go on a date with Tia. He went on a date with Tia, Mari, Demi. He went to the boom boom room with two of these fucking players. No one is mad at him. No one is mad at him. I'll say again on the whole beach. Demi got a little mad, but it was more. She was like emotionally hurt. She wasn't really mad at him. She was just kind of like, I feel mm -hmm. so stupid. I'm so embarrassed. She was mad at herself, I think, for losing the game. But I don't think I've ever seen a player like this who can walk away unscathed from a love triangle in which he's been to the BBR with two of the fucking players, or love square, sorry, quadrangle, whatever, <laughs> uh, in which he's been to the boom room with two of the fucking players. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. He then does a sacred word defense right after this and says, I never say that shit regarding his level level three. Only told the dog, which is just like, it's the cherry on top of this love level three. I don't know if we said this, but Mari love level three is him back. They make out. And Mari says, we should go get the real dessert. Boom, boom, room, dessert. Did you notice this song? Vaginal protocol. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to start using vaginal protocol for any like fantasy suite. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. I just, you laugh so hard. I'm, I'm it's gonna fucking, do it's it hilarious to me. That's the funniest fucking phrase. Did you notice this song? I will ask again in this moment. No, it's always no. This one had a singer. It had fucking lyrics. I don't know who this singer was, but it's this kind of soft, sentimental song that scores Kenny Mari walking back to the beach and we see Joe and Serena kiss, Noah and Abigail are kissing Thomas and Kufrin. So it's this montage of all the successful couples as their romance is blooming. But then Kenny and Mari do get the great honor of going into the night vision BBR and pulling the sheets over themselves. And we know that they are going to consummate this relationship once again. As we head into portion seven, Marissa and Chelsea talk about how DeMar told Marissa that he was there for her. But Riley hasn't said it to her yet. She ITMs needing more from him and Marissa ITMs having been lied to a lot that she doesn't trust easily and she's scared to have this important conversation with Riley because it might destroy everything. I love this subtle play by Marissa. She is talking to everyone on the beach about this before. She's creating this whole storyline. She's loading a hint of a PTC at heartbreak with the lies thing. She's loading these walls. 
she's building her love level raise if she's going to do it up more than anyone else does this episode. This entire portion, portion seven of this episode is by far the most important portion. Spoiler alert, you're going to hear some awards being given here in this portion. (laughs) (laughs) But what she's doing, what he does, I mean, I have more notes on this portion than I had for any three combined portions, I think, of tonight. I did a verbatim transcription plus my analysis mm-hmm. of the plays and stuff. Smart. This shit, well, it's just compulsion at this point. Smart or not, I can't stop it from <laughs> happening. This shit is unreal, what both of them did in this. And it was very hard for me to determine which one was better, but I was just fucking astounded by it. There was a lot of filler in this episode, especially the grocery store Joe stuff with Kendall in the beginning and just people floundering around and who's going to get a rose and I need a rose and whatever. This shit was, there was no fluff in portion mm-hmm. seven. Every moment of it was astounding gameplay. Marissa starts it off. She's asking about this alternate universe where if she had gone on the date with DeMar, how would he feel? And Riley says, I wouldn't have liked it. You probably wouldn't have known it, though. I wouldn't have liked it, but you wouldn't have known a poet. He's holding all of his emotions close to the chest. And this is exactly what we know she wants him to not do. So he's giving us the very example of the thing she has set up in the ITM. She needs more from him, needs him to be open, needs him to communicate with her. And he's saying immediately in the beginning of this, I don't know how long they'd actually been talking. And if the editors cut straight here, like fucking amazing editors. This is how you craft a fucking scene out of reality Mm -hmm. television footage. Whoever produced this, edited this, this is it. This is your fucking greatest work, at least on this season of BIP. Wow. <laughs> That's right. It's a wowie because they cut right to him saying, I don't talk to you. The thing you're complaining about, let me just show you me doing that immediately. Marissa responds, that's not good. You have to tell me how you feel. And Riley goes, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. A very strange feeling I had while you were talking to Damar. It got more real. I thought I'd be more okay with it. That's really not what I want. I hope she lets him know I'm the guy. I knew that from the first time we went on that date. I wrote a rap song, and I don't want you to worry about anyone else coming in. Not gonna happen. All eggs, one baskets. Marissa right here. It's a fantastic move, but it ain't enough. Marissa is not going (laughs) to accept this. She needs to get to the point with him where he is open with her, and she asks him, why is he so closed off? And he says he doesn't know. He admits in this moment, you're right, I am. And it's going to be hard for me to actually tell you why. But he fucking does it. He turns the switch and he says he's wanted the same thing for 10 years now. To have a wife, to have a family. And he's gotten close, but it always gets screwed up. He drops his PTC about his family situation being terrible. Parental divorce. His dad treated his mom bad. It wasn't good. And his dad kept him and his brother away from their mom. Hasn't talked to his dad for 10 years, and he took the better part of this year to figure himself out. So not only does he say, my wall is now down, he uses the PTC to say why he had the wall, and then he says, here's what I've learned from it. I did figure myself... I mean, this is classic Bachelor, Bachelorette, main game play here that he has brought into paradise Mm -hmm. for this moment, and it is fucking beautifully done. It's a story we heard during The Bachelorette, but it feels new and fresh and 4TRR here. He produces tears because there's there's history we've watched him and marissa build this relationship the biggest man i've ever seen in the world produces tears here it's beautiful he says he knows his dad was trying his best but he just didn't know how to deal with his family 
And he says, I hate talking about this. And then, yeah, he produces these fucking tears and he apologizes for crying. And then he has to pump himself up. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And he says he learned Uh that he and his dad are actually very similar. And he says it scares him to know that his dad doesn't have a relationship with his children because that's what he wants. He wants to have his own children have a relationship. And he says everything is great with his mom now. And he wants Marissa to fucking meet her future casting a meeting of the family. That's a hometown. You don't fucking have hometowns in Bachelor of Paradise. Riley's saying, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to give you a hometown anyway. This is fucking brilliant. He LL1s her to punctuate this. I care a lot about you. I've been in love before and I can feel myself going that way. That's an LL2 and it's scary as hell for me, but I'm going to do it because I have to and I want to. She says, thank you. And she says, that's all I've been wanting. That's all I needed. Marissa then ITM's pure joy about all the plays he's just made. And she tells him, I love waking up to you, skirting around it, using the word love now, but not getting into a love level. Riley says, I love you waking up with you too. He doesn't say it back. It's beautiful, this little dance they're doing. And then he tells her, say it. No. Oh, yes. (laughs) He tells her, say it. And she says, it's very hard for me, but she knows that I'm falling in love with you. He returns in kind. I'm falling in love with you too. Pace case, take it away. Marissa Love Level 3 Riley was my... Play, 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 play of the game. She loaded it with everyone. She set up these emotional walls. She loads this PTC of people lying to her. She gets Riley to play as PTC. To me, this is coming off as the most Fortier relationship. It's punctuated with tears. It was extraordinary. She didn't even have a date this episode. She made the whole episode about her. I completely agree with you. Her play was stellar. Off the fucking charts. This was almost my play of the game. But instead, Riley, love level one, two, and three-ing, Marissa Gunn, in the span of 10 seconds, was my play, 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 play of the game. I have liked Riley this entire season. He has made some astounding plays. Again and again and again and again. And this was, in my opinion, so far, the crowning jewel of a stellar paradise season. And like we were saying, this portion, this entire scene where they're having this conversation, easily the most important all night of the entire game. And they are shining stars at this point, elevated above mm-hmm. anyone else. I'm like, Becca, who? Kufrin, I'm talking about. Like, I haven't, I don't care about that relationship. This shit seems very real to me. And I know that we're talking about it in terms of play because these are plays. You still do have to make good plays if you want to wind up with somebody. You have to win this game to be able to walk away from it with somebody to find love. That's a part of the prize as well. And I just, this was mind-blowing to me how good every moment of this was. Yeah. I mean, we literally just saw another version of two players who have been dating about the same amount of time, Love Level 3-ing, Mari and Kenny, and they're just isn't the emotional resonance that there is with this. And I think it's partially because of the emotional walls and the history and the future casting and the tears. And yeah, 
I mean... And they were together from the beginning. Like, Riley and Marissa were a couple almost immediately. Mm -hmm. They've only gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And this was the first time that we really saw a challenge to it in Marissa saying, I need more. I need you to open up to me. I need you to talk to me. And he met the challenge immediately and completely. So you don't get the sense that there's any weakness in the relationship. This is just astounding to me. Fantastically played. We loved watching it. He tops it off with future casting about them having family breakfast and his ITMs. And he says, I'm not looking for a one night thing. I'm looking for a forever thing. And the creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. 
That's why an Aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. And we get a kiss to end portion seven. Portion eight begins. It's raining in the morning as women put on makeup, and Ed tells Blake Monar that he's bugging out about the upcoming rose ceremony that night. He ITMs that the ladies have the roses, the pressure is high, the stakes are high as well. Open gameplay speech. Serena then gets the colorful narrator to tell us about the strong relationships and that the serious conversations are now afoot about life after paradise. And we're getting ITMs and edits of Marissa and Mari ready to go to the end with their respective men. And a storm is brewing on the horizon. Two production staff enter to tell all the players that there will be no rose ceremony. There is a dangerous tropical storm approaching and they have to evacuate everyone. It's no longer safe to stay in paradise. And so everybody has to go pack their bags and start an immediate evacuation. Lightning strikes as Balansal pontificates on the possibility of paradise ending and forcing some people out of their chance at love. I, I just... They say you have to evacuate immediately and then they film a bunch of ITMs. I'm like, what? Well, okay. the ITMs were probably shot after the fact, I would imagine. They're in front of the storm. Are they in the ITMs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that. <laughs> I'm standing on the beach to get hit by lightning. I don't know when they shot the ITMs, but they're now floating this idea that like, oh, the storm is coming and it might destroy paradise and end all these relationships. And I'm like, what? Even if they just send people back home, they can still date each other. Like, how would this have mm-hmm. any effect on it? they lose their chance at love forever. <laughs> Tia ITMs. Earlier, I was stressed about who to give my rose to. Now I'm stressed about being alive. And then Serena says, Joe and I are getting separated and she doesn't know when she's going to see him again. This could be the end of paradise for us, she says. And I'm like, in my head, this is all acting. Are they locking them in separate rooms with no ability to communicate? Is that for production so that they can't work on their relationships? Like, what are they trying to make us believe here? They seem to be separating by gender. Right. And and saying you cannot talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So this is a show. As Grocery Store Joe put it, the point of the show is to come there and fall in love, to build relationships. However, the show itself is going to derail that in the most crucial time for many of these relationships, right? When they're getting to the point of being like, I could see a future with us together. And it's like, okay, now we're going to put you in separate locations. You cannot talk to each other. That seems very counterproductive to the stated premise of the show that it's to help people build relationships and find love, but whatever. It has to be on camera clues. Oh, my apologies. I didn't realize. Portion nine. The beach has come again. GSJ says, 
I hope there's a paradise to go back to, insinuating maybe the beach has been destroyed. So what even was portion eight? Why even have that as a portion? It had no effect on anything. It's a false cliffhanger. It was pointless. When he's like, oh, shit, is the beach even here? It might be destroyed. And we get some shots of the, in quotes, destruction caused by the storm. There's a plant in the pool. That was it. That's all the fucking storm did. Put a couple of leaves in the pool. I wonder, because GSJ's ITM here looks weird. It looks like it's filmed after the show finished. Just like that one of Mari, where her hair is all done. Maybe they weren't even going to include the storm, but then this Ivan thing happened, and they had to. Hmm. Mm. Because they have to explain him at the hotel why that happened. Yeah. You're right. I think you're right. They're setting that up. I think you're 100% correct. Little John then comes in, and he welcomes everybody back with a heartfelt, Okay. He says, is everyone okay? Uh, it's fucking real. It's like they're trying to have us believe that people's lives were in danger legitimately. And then how they end that piece of the fucking thing is little John going, are you okay? He tells them that the cocktail party's in one hour. Get ready. And we see Aaron ITMing that today is a make or break for four guys. Bonesaw ITMs not wanting to leave single. That would be devastating. We then cut to a shot of a little lizard. This lizard is an animal lizard and he's sitting on a rock. And this lizard is strutting his stuff. And in this case, his stuff happens to be a red dewlap under his neck that he extends to full size just for the cameras. This lizard knows how to use neck play, which is a serpentine extension of face play, to get Screen time, and I thought this was a fantastic creature move. That's why he was my. (laughs) Creature of the week. This puffed up lizard representing the guys all puffing up their shoulders, getting ready for the daytime cocktail party was also my... (laughs) Creature of the week. Unanimous. I mean, yeah, there were a bunch of creatures, pretty good creatures, nothing like this little guy. This lizard had Uh it all. Love this guy. Hope Uh we get to see some more of him. I have an ITM's a prayer to the Paradise Gods to get a rose. Straight gameplay speech here again. Lil John forces the players to register their love levels. GSJ says that he and Serena use the sacred words. Lil John probes Kenny and Mari. Kenny says they're talking about post-show stuff. And Lil John comes for Riley and Marissa next. Riley says it felt right. And Marissa says, that's my man. Lil John likes to hear that. And then Lil John tells Tia that one of the guys she's dealing with is not getting a rose. And the taddy daddy is going to become a saddy daddy. He reminds them that there are eight women, 12 roses. So four guys will be going home. And then Lil John leaves. Is this forever? Was that the last time we get to see him as a host? I don't know. Seemed kind of like it. I think so. We get kisses between all the solid couples. And then a conversation between Tia and taddy daddy. She asks Blake in front of Damar, I believe, if he has put in any effort today. And Damar leaves, says, turbulence is coming soon for that man. (laughs) (laughs) She tells Taddy Daddy that she wants to be pursued, feel special. And she ITMs that maybe her vagina's dancing because she's getting tricked again because he drives a motorcycle. 
And she keeps saying she wants him to show that he's into her. He tells her that he's a simple person and he just wants to talk to her in a legitimate conversation. And she asks him why he never showed initiative. And he says he cares about her and her happiness. And he wants to know what more she needs him to do. And he's basically he's like, I'll do anything. What do you want? And she's like, you have to know what to do. I need you to pursue me. She just keeps with this weird narrative that makes no sense to me. He seems to be doing whatever she wants. Here, here's two wooden boards. You can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you look at those two planks of wood, what do you see? I don't know. They're just pieces of wood. No, they're paintings for me that you haven't done yet. But Bonsall <laughs> did the paintings. Hint, one of them's a stoplight. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it makes no sense to me. And I am again reminded, Tia is at this point a made player. I think she is now the the true other host of Happy Hour. I think she's a podcast, Bachelor Nation podcast host official at this point. What? Yeah, because she's been hosting has that been, has that with, happened? with uh, I don't think they've made the announcement, but she's been hosting for a while now, weeks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And Congrats so- Tia. Yeah, congrats to Tia. But this could be a thing where the producers, production, Warner Brothers, whoever, they know that by this point, like she's going to be the one. And mm. they tell her, here's what you need to do. This is the story we're working on. Bonsall is doing things for you, but you're not sexually attracted to him. You're sexually attracted to Blake Monar, but he's not doing things for you. So if he tries to tell you that he is, you shoot that down every time and say, you need more, you need more, you need more. This seemed acted to me, this entire scene. It made no sense. Do you think... In the James Blake drama, she's going for which one, though? Neither. I don't think she actually likes either one yeah. of them. This is all acting. Blake is flustered. He says she totally blindsided me in his ITM. And Tia thanks Bonsall for the moment in the treehouse. It doesn't go unnoticed, and they make out. <laughs> Portion 10 begins with Aaron pulling Chelsea Vaughn to present a very Aaron mini date. He has set up a series of sticks in the sand. He says, you're a model in New York. I'm going to step in your shoes. That's going to be my runway. (laughs) And we hear Ivan saying, Aaron's doing what he's got to do to survive. I don't know if he's really into Chelsea Vaughn. And once he starts doing his runway walk and Chelsea shows him how it's done too, she does a little runway walk. They get a kiss and we cut back to the three guys watching them and Noah claps and says, yes, sir, we have a winner. That is straight gameplay speech. Aaron then talks to Chelsea about her last couple of days and she tells him that her date with Damar was okay, but she wanted it to end early so she could come back and talk to Aaron. They kiss. He calls her the full package type deal and he thinks something great could come of, in quotes, it, meaning their relationship. We get some more kissing. And as they kiss, we see a tattoo on the back of Aaron's neck that is a little X that has the letters RMKS in it. Did you notice that? Mm-mm. I don't know what it means, but it's there. What is that? I don't know. Maybe it's initials of of important people to him. That's all I could think. Is it resource management knowledge system? That's what it has to be. Rocky Mountain Kai Society? That's probably it. What is that? I don't know. I think it's probably the initials of like his parents or something. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> Ivan then pulls Chelsea for a talk on a daybed. They cheers and he opens up by saying, you got a lot to figure out. She calls Ivan her homie and Aaron and Bonsall start peeping Tomming here. They're watching Ivan's moves and Aaron is not cool with it. Chelsea says she meant homie as a compliment, not a friend zone move. And Chelsea says she actually thinks Ivan's kind of cute. Chelsea gets him to say that she's beautiful and easy to talk to. And he says he had a lot of thoughts about her. You're dope and I'm interested. It's your decision to give the rose to who you want. So yeah. Then he leans in 
and Ivan kisses Chelsea right in front of Aaron. Ivan kissing Chelsea in front of Aaron, who has already been traumatized by other people kissing the people he's dating right in front of him on David. Was my error, 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 error of the game. You know this is not going to end well. You know at the very least he is now going to be enraged by you and you have created an enemy by doing this right there in front of him. If you wanted to do this, do it somewhere away from him, not right in front of him. And we're going to see what happens. Why is everyone always kissing in front of him? I don't know. Producer manipulation? Is it because he's always peeping Tommy? That could be too. He doesn't let them out of his sight. (laughs) Right. But that's also the producers. Like they position people so that they will see these things. And indeed, Aaron does see it. So does Bonsall. And Bonsall says, you know, Ivan was going to leave it all out there. Straight gameplay speech. Aaron's not happy. More kissing. And Aaron goes, he's rose hunting, bro. Straight gameplay speech. Aaron calls him some bad names. B word. And he says he wants to slap that stupid beard off his face. Calls him a snaky bitch bag in front of a couple ladders. And Ivan and Chelsea at this point are holding hands as they walk to the bar. And Bonsall gets in a nice little bit of subtle shit disturbing play here where he goes, bro, go tell him how you feel. He's spurring this on. He wants to see the confrontation. Even though Aaron's his friend, he's like, get in there, dude. (laughs) Did you see... The the image of him and Aaron when Ivan and Chelsea kiss is hilarious because Aaron is stricken and James looks a little excited. He's fucking smiling. He's got a huge <laughs> smile plastered on his fucking face like, holy shit, I can't believe this, this is fucking great. But Aaron says to Bonsall saying, go tell her how you feel, bro. He says, easily done. And then Aaron pulls Ivan for a quick word and we get this little confrontation where Aaron's trying to get him to come to him and Ivan's like, no, fuck you. If you want to talk to me, you come to me. And Aaron gets in his face, tells him that he didn't like how he lied and thought it was a bad move to be pulling Chelsea, who he was dating. And Ivan keeps saying, walk off, walk off. And Ivan starts getting in his face and says, what are you going to do about it? And that's where we end, where they are on the precipice of a fight. At least that's what they're leading us to believe. And then we see the promo for next week, next Tuesday, the three hour extravaganza. It looks like there might be a fight between Ivan, who in quotes, Went around the system, he says. We can only assume that's at the hotel that he and Chelsea Vaughn did an impromptu knock-knock that maybe was a consummated relationship. Mm. Maybe not. We're going to find out. Knocking boots. And Kenny might lose his passion for Mari, it looks like. I I don't believe anything that the promos say. They also make it look like there's going to be trouble with Marissa and Riley, and I refuse to believe that. I agree. But you know what? The most exciting part was... I do. Deanie babies. And Kaylin Miller Keys. They're going to show up as the new Jaden Tanner to invoke the ring ceremonies. I cannot wait to see them back on the beach where they met, where he shaved off his mustache. Oh, by the way, the only people who weren't crying in that promo for next week were GSJ and Serena Pitt. I think they're locked and loaded. I don't think anything bad is going to happen to them from here on out. And then we get a tag where Kenny stuffs six chicken nuggets into Mari's mouth. More food play from the food play couple. No Vargas, though. Doesn't have the impact. No, she was there. She was just around the corner watching it (laughs) all. Guaranteed. (laughs) But that is it for our gameplay analysis. Who was your MVP of this week, Pace Case? Marissa Gunn was my... M-M-M-M-V-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
For her love level three, loading her PTC. She made this episode about her, even though she didn't have a date. She broke through my cold gameplay driven heart, made me feel like (laughs) I need them to get married and have their basketball team and live happily ever after having family breakfast. She coaxed out Riley's PTC and served as an STCO for him. I feel like she crafted this whole thing down to getting them to wear matching outfits, calling in my mans to Lil John. I mean, stunning. It, definitely the most impactful play of the episode for me. I loved everything she did. I agree with everything you're saying. But for me, Riley Christian was my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. This man did a triple crown. Love level one, two, and three in about 10 seconds. That blew my fucking mind. He also was put in a position that he very easily could have not handled well. Had he not done what he did, he played it fucking perfectly. Not only did he do his love level raises, he fucking punctuated with tears. He did future casting. He fucking basically dangled a hometown date in front of her by saying, you're going to meet my mom and all this shit. It was brilliant what he fucking did. I feel like that relationship is so solid at this point. It's not going anywhere. I'm very curious to see what happens to his Instagram followers and Marissa Guns for that matter after tonight's performance. Mm -hmm. But they both were stellar. I could have really gone either way. I just... I I like love levels as a play, just my own personal preference. It's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts of the game. And the fact that he was able to do a triple love level race. You love love. In one, I love love levels. <laughs> 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 the fact that he was able to do a triple love level raise is just like, fuck, that's crazy. I don't think we've seen that. I don't think I've ever seen that in the game ever in any circumstance. We've seen some quick escalations, but maybe only two love levels. Yeah. I can't remember three. I can't either. Maybe it's happened, but I don't remember it. And certainly I don't remember mm-hmm. it in a situation like this where it's almost required. It wasn't required. He could have just gone straight to love level three, but it was the fact that this whole conversation was difficult for him and he had to overcome walls and he had to kind of like tiptoe into it that allowed mm-hmm. him to do that raise. And it was effective narratively. Because it even got her to believe, like, fuck, he's coming out of his shell. And he starts with a level of one to a stutter step level level two, then full level level three. It was just brilliant. I loved everything he did. Definitely my MVP. But fuck Marissa Gunn, too. You're right. She orchestrated it all. It's just hard. They're like, they're intertwined, you know? I do feel like she she coaxed a lot of that out of him. And she added to the dramatic tension of the love level build by being like, I love waking up next to you. I mean, I guess we see that with all the love levels is people sort of hedging it with these little phrases. But yeah, hats off to Marissa and Riley. Hats off indeed. And hats off to everyone who joined us for our breakdown of tonight's big game. We're going to be back in 48 short hours with this week in Batch Donation where we're going to break down all the Instagram growth, the ratings, the news, screams from the pit, parasocial plays of the week. All kinds of stuff. If Ed Wastebrot posts a photo of him as a child in face paint, we'll we'll put that in there. If that fucking happens, <laughs> oh Jesus, I'm not. I may not be around to uh, to do the show. Okay, that may make me deceased. I'll act out your part. <laughs> I'm, please, I'd love to listen to that. 
But before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,121 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then